Good evening, everyone. <clears throat> I noticed it was wonderfully quiet during Zazen. We didn't have, I think because the temperatures have moderated, we didn't have the uh, you know, air conditioning coming on so much. And so it's a very quiet room. That's one of our benefits of fall that uh, Dave didn't point out. But another benefit of fall. <coughs> So um, I, I was a <coughs> I was a child uh, in the 1950s and six, early 60s, and uh, at that time uh, in the history of uh, this country, um, it was uh, you know the post World War II years. And um, but on <coughs> television and in the movies, uh, Hollywood was still fighting World War II, and it was a very popular subject to have TVs and TV shows and movies about um, World War II, and uh, I suppose uh, you know my being a boy child and only having a brother uh, to uh, uh, who had similar tastes, uh, we, we enjoyed uh, very much watching those movies and TV shows. And uh, <clears throat> one that uh, I uh, uh, thought of uh, recently was a um, a show. A TV, no, it was actually a movie. It was a movie starring, um, this will date it significantly, starring uh, Clark Gable and uh, Burt Lancaster. And it was called uh, Run Silent, Run Deep. How many people have seen that movie? Oh, we have an aged group. <laughs> or we have some aged people in the group. I suppose you can still see it somewhere. Because you can see, you can see, you can still see everything, right? But uh, this movie was, uh, for those that haven't seen it, it was a movie uh, set in World War II on a, a submarine. Uh, either I don't know if it was made in, you know, in a real submarine somewhere, or um, you know, on a set that was constructed to look like a submarine. It really looked convincingly like a submarine to me when I was watching it. But of course, I was 10 years old and very, uh, you know, impressionable. Uh, and so, <coughs> uh, the the action of the movie. Well, there was a lot of action. I mean, these were action movies. Um, so the the action would typically be the submarine is, uh, you know, patrolling uh, usually enemy waters. And uh, the uh, the uh, the radar man, the man who is uh, scanning the horizon uh, with radar, uh, spots some uh, suspicious uh, warships, and so the the captain says, "Up periscope," and uh, the periscope raises, and he he looks around like this, and of course spots the enemy warship 
and uh, then having spotted and aimed his boat at it, uh, he tells the crew to fire torpedoes and they they fire their torpedoes and uh, you know usually uh, sink the bad guys' boats, the Germans in that case, usually sink their boats with their torte- torpedoes. But then after they, 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 they shoot the torpedoes, they're very vulnerable because the, the other boats that are around have seen whence the torpedoes came. And so they, they often have to execute a dive maneuver. And so the, the, the captain would say, you know, dive, dive, dive. And he would command, you know, he would send that command throughout the ship and uh, the, the, the ballast tanks of the submarine would fill up with water and the ship would go beneath the waves. And, um, and then this is where the run silent part, or, and well, and deep, of course, but the run silent part was they, the, the submarine had to be very quiet because um, the, the ships, the enemy ships that remained above could, could hear them uh, through his, with sonar, now, so so the so, so the submarine had to stay very very quiet and not be detected, not to be detected. <clears throat> uh, so um, you're probably wondering why I'm bringing this up. Well, what got me? Do you know Dorley? I know. I didn't see the movie. Well, what got me was the title. Run silent. Run silent and run deep. And when I when I when I and I don't know how that title ever even came back to me, but I was I don't know how I don't know, really know how this introduction came to my mind to tell you the truth but anyway this is what came in thinking about giving a talk um, but I thought I thought if we were looking for a motto or a slogan for our Zen practice uh, we could we could just say run silent and run deep sit silently and go deep it's a great it's a great slogan it's a great you know encapsulation in four words um, of of you know the the thrust of uh, our practice we we uh, sit zazen um, and uh, we go beneath the waves of the mind we go beneath the waves of the mind and we go uh, into the depths, into the depths of the mind. And that is, um, that is kind of the point. <laughs> it's kind of the point of this practice uh, to go uh, into and have an encounter with the depth of the mind. And um, we actually, <clears throat> this may have come to me um, 
Actually, now that I think of it, it may, be, it may have come to me when we were, um, we have a, a verse that we chant uh, when we take the refuges. The refuges are, uh, uh, in, 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 in our practice, are um, 16, uh, excuse me, three, three uh, uh, places of um, you know, protection and, and devotion. Uh, and they are uh, Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha. Buddha being the teacher, Dharma being the teaching, and Sangha being the, the assembly, people practicing. So we have this verse and we say, I take refuge in Buddha, immersing body and mind deeply in the way, awakening true mind. Immersing, immersing this body, this mind, deeply in the way, awakening true mind through immersion. And then, if that wasn't enough to continue the metaphor, uh, in the, we say, we say uh, I take refuge in Dharma uh, before all beings, uh, entering deeply the merciful ocean, of Buddha's way, the merciful ocean of Buddha's way. So, you know, this is where we depart from the war, you know. We're not going deep for uh, some, um, uh, you know, pur- other purpose than mercy. That's, that's, that's the point of going deep. The point is to enter the merciful, merciful ocean of Buddha's way the kind uh, ocean of Buddha's way, the, the caring uh, ocean of Buddha's way. And so that's, that's uh, and we say, say we practice here on Thursday mornings, and uh, typically this is a chant that's done in the morning. And we just started doing this chant not that long ago, but the first thing we do if we get up after we get up from Zazen is, well, we, we make an offering and we do bows, but then we chant th- those, those, those phrases. And, and we have one for uh, taking refuge in Sangha too. But it doesn't use uh, an ocean analogy or an immersion analogy. <clears throat> it says... Bringing harmony, harmony to everyone, free from hindrance. When I take refuge in Sangha, bringing harmony to everyone, free from hindrance. No harming anyone. Taking care of everyone. And kind to everyone. So I would propose that what the Buddha taught is um, he taught he, he taught dive, dive, dive dive into the ocean of being take refuge in the ocean of being that's really what the Buddha taught and that's and we express that um, by sitting upright in Zazen, uh, as um, an excellent method uh, for mm, 
for uh, taking on ballast, you know, taking on ballast and going uh, deeper into our um, into our body mind. <clears throat> so um, this brings me to uh, the uh, fact that um, recently in our uh, Thursday morning study group, actually not recently, but for some months, uh, we've been looking at a text, a, a Buddhist sutra uh, called the Lankavatara. And um, this Lankavatara sutra was, uh, uh, its, its claim to fame is that, um, uh, that Bodhidharma, the first Zen teacher who came from India, to bring the Dharma to China, uh, brought this sutra with him. Uh, so this is this is uh, this is what it said about uh, about that about that sutra. And um, this is a, probably in the in the how long have we been doing the study group? Like five years now, at least five years, maybe even longer. But certainly, I would I would say uh, that uh, in the in the history of our studies, uh, this is the most difficult sutra that we have ever attempted to read. And um, so, if you if you want to read this sutra, I recommend doing it with a group, so that you you have people to commiserate with, because it's very difficult. And it's very difficult to open your mouth about it once you've read it. Um, <laughs> and there's a tendency to think, well, it's 8 o'clock now, but soon it will be 9 o'clock, and this will be over. <laughs> but nevertheless, we, we, have, we have kept it up. And, and surprisingly, because it's a mature group, I think, of practitioners, um, and and sincere group of practitioners, uh, we we always do find something to to say about it. And um, one of the the um, images uh, that uh, that comes from the Lankavatara that is uh, most accessible, I think, to everyone, is an image uh, based on uh, an image of the ocean. An image of the ocean, and and uh, the fact that that waves, uh, you know, I was just in Santa Cruz watching the waves. <laughs> the waves, waves, uh, you know, roll across the ocean. The surface surface of the ocean almost always has waves. So this image in the Lankavatara Sutra is of the ocean and waves. Um, and um, the <clears throat> the um, the analogy and the, the analogy presented in in the sutra is that kind of just as I've been saying, the depths of the ocean uh, are uh, or excuse me, the depths of the mind, the depths of the mind are likened to the ocean. And that is the depths of the mind are what are 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 likened to the ocean, and um, the surface of the mind uh, is likened to the waves. 
so the surface of the mind in, in this teaching, and really on all Buddhist teachings, well, yeah, no, it's kind of this is kind of a subset, but which includes um, things that are always taught and things that are only taught in some schools. But we won't go into that. In any case, the surface of the mind uh, contains uh, the the five uh, sense faculties and the or the five sense the five sense consciousnesses that go along with eyes, ears, nose, tongue body and mind. Uh, Well, let's just say the five that go stop with mind. So the surface of the mind includes the five sense consciousnesses plus um, thought consciousness or thinking. Thinking. So in Buddhism, you know, thinking or the the think thoughts are considered the, or the capacity for thinking, the, the, the thought consciousness is considered the, the, Sixth sense, and then the uh, on the surface also is two more, which aren't taught in every school of Buddhism, but they are taught in this particular school, uh, which is um, uh, the the ego, the 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 sense of ego, um, and uh, or the sense of having a self, and um, well, actually, excuse me. It's only that one in addition because think, think. There's seven. There's seven on the top. Sorry, I'm kind of messing this up. But there's seven waves, which include five sense consciousnesses, thought, and and the sense of a self. So that's seven. And the, and the eighth consciousness is in the depths. The eighth consciousness is in the depths of the mind. And and that is called mm, alaya. It's called the storehouse consciousness, or the source of karma, and the place that we work on, and and go to 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 liberate, to liberate. Mm, yes. Manas, manas. So the, so the ego sense, you know, the sense of having a self. Yeah. So a verse, a verse in the sutra. Uh, are you kind of with me here? You got the waves. We have we have seven, seven uh, kinds of waves. Let's say, you know, eye, ears, nose. Tongue, body, and mind, just like in the Heart Sutra. That's six, and then and then uh, one more is this manasar, this self consciousness, and then in the depths, um, the depth, the depths that I've been talking about, the depths of the mind, where we where we where we go in zazen to liberate the waves. <laughs> so um, anyway, there's this verse. Maybe this will help. Uh, just as the waves in a boundless sea, stirred by a powerful wind, create vast breakers, never ceasing for a moment. 
In the ocean of Alaya, stirred by the wind of externality, wave after wave of consciousness swells and breaks again. Like the ocean and its waves, neither separate or not separate, seven forms of consciousness rise together with the mind. In this, in this verse, the mind is a liar. It is this depths of the ocean. It's the depths of the ocean. So seven forms of consciousness come up together, join together with these depths. Um, and so, thankfully, Zuki Roshi had read this sutra, and he, in Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind, gives a very clear explanation of what this waves and ocean analogy is about. And so I'm going to read his presentation. Um, During Zazen, many thoughts and images will arise but these are only waves of the mind. Nothing comes from outside the mind. Generally, we think that sense experience is dependent on something that comes from outside the mind. But this is not the true situation. True understanding is that mind the deep ocean, includes everything. When we think that something comes from outside the mind, it just means something is appearing in the mind. Nothing external can cause us any problem. This is the most important phrase. You alone generate the waves of the mind. If you let the mind be as it is, you will find calm. We call this mind, big mind. You alone generate the waves of the mind. So I feel when I read this, this is, this is Zuki Roshi exactly channeling this teaching from the Lankavatara Sutra. There's there's this constant drumbeat in the sutra. It's 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 brought up over and over again, and it says that uh, you know uh, for self-realization to really understand yourself, to really understand your relationship to the world. Um, you need to, you should study um, the fact that or the teaching let's say the teaching that what you do is you 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 have perceptions of an external world and you project that you project that uh, as an additional layer on everything. So you the present so so you you, you the, the teaching is um, study your perceptions 
and understand them as projections on the uh, caused by caused by your your well caused by the well it's, it's so hard to explain <laughs> your 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 projections are that there is an external world and so you 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 you're you're projecting an external world you're projecting your perceptions are are in a way the teaching is you're not taking you know your your mistake or our mistake is that we we take our perce- our perceptions as really saying something absolutely true and factual about about the external world and um and what this teaching wants us to do is is um really take responsibility for the role of our sense apparatus our and our mind to mm, shape shape what our experience is so we're uh we're always uh, uh in a, you know in a sense we're always ginning up the waves we're always m- making the waves of our mind and um our practice is to you know to dive deeper where we're not we're not generating so many waves we're not generating so many waves which which by the way once we generate them then we are tossed about in the waves that we have generated right we are tossed about by the waves that we have we have generated clem Well, if the external world is my projection, I've had experiences where these projections have physically injured me. Um, There is something out there. Mm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, right. There there is uh, something out there, Uh, but it's not what we think it is. That's 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 the teaching. It's not what we think it is. We've made up a story about it, and uh, but the story is not accurate. That's what the teaching is. So, <clears throat> I, I this is a difficult sutra, as I said, and it's also difficult to talk about. But I thought, you know, I think it's important to like. Bring the study groups, and it kind of feels like a separate thing of the of the sangha sometimes. So I I like to come and once in a while talk about what we're doing over there and uh, some of the things that we're going into. So that's why I'm bringing it to you tonight. So uh, the remedy uh, for the situation we're in of of projecting our perceptions onto uh, and and then um, in a sense you know creating these winds of externality that are then making more waves and we go around in an endless loop uh 
the re- the remedy is not uh, is not to find fault with you know our you know basic mental apparatus. I mean, this is just the way the way it is. Um, the the remedy is, as I've been saying, is to dive into the depths of the mind, into the ocean of uh, tranquility. This is a very important point. Uh, to go down into uh, tranquility. And in that ocean, in the ocean of tranquility, you know, like, like, like a real ocean, say, you know, the real ocean uh, allows for all of the creatures in the ocean to be there, right? It has no preference. It can be like a tuna fish and a shark. The ocean does not have a preference between a tuna fish and a shark. The, the, the ocean does not have a preference between, uh, you know, tiny, tiny, tiny zooplankton and the big whale that eats it. You know, this, this is this in, in, in the depths of the earth. The ocean has no preferences, and um, when <clears throat> the wind, when the wind blows off, you know, blows across the surface of the ocean, creating wave. The the ocean doesn't think. Now my tranquility has been disturbed. Now my doesn't the ocean does not think that. Uh, the ocean uh, takes full responsibility for the waves, if you will, complete responsibility for the waves. It doesn't think it's 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 there's some problem there. Your thoughts. Your 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 anxieties, your fears, uh, whatever is coming up for for you, is not is not a problem for the deep ocean of your mind, the deep ocean of tranquility, and that's a good reason for taking on the practice of tranquility. Uh, that's one of the things that zazen is is a is a practice of calming. It's a practice of um, settling down uh, so that um, well, not exactly so that it's just that it's just that when you calm down. Uh, when you deeply calm down, then you really, the you know, the waves of your mind are not a problem. You can and you can and and you can um, you can laugh a little bit, you know, and you can be more at ease with your um, you know your neurosis, your 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 the things that you think that are you know so off base, you know, and and. Uh, so not in accord with um, yeah so so not in accord you know things that that you think that are so not in accord um, entering the calm ocean is a is a uh, a balm a balm for for that it's a balm for the waves. And then, you know, at that time, 
there is there's no and there's no, there really is no separation there's no separation between you know the deep ocean and you know the spinning the spinning dolphins don't they have spinning dolphins that jump up there and spin around and dive back down so no separation Oh yeah, I was going to say. So you know, the all of our problems and all of our mistakes and all of our misapprehensions and um, things we regret and so forth. You know, all of those things are are not. Um, they're 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 useful to us. They're they're grist for the mill. You know, they're not they're not uh, they're not a sign of our our failure. They're, they're things that the, all those things that we where we feel that we're off or that things aren't right or that we've done something. Um, <clears throat> we haven't spoken correctly and so forth. Um, all those things are just there, you know, to encourage us to practice, you know, just to encourage us. So we so we, we don't. You know, we don't get um, upset. You know, there's no reason to get upset about our, our, our foibles. There's no reason to get upset about our foibles. They're, this, they're just there to help us and encourage us to practice and to, and to be in accord um, and to, you know, gently, you know, push us back toward the middle. So... Um, It says here, um, eventually, eventually, we can begin to have faith and take refuge in the calm depths of the mind. Eventually, we can have, begin to have faith and take refuge in the calm depths of the mind. We don't have a timetable for this. Uh, one more thing. And it says here that Buddha is a word we use. Buddha is a word we use for the calm depths of the mind. And as we continue to sit, this will become apparent to us and we will find that we can really trust the mind, the great ocean mind, that we can really trust that mind. So uh, anyway, Oscar, you had a question? Wait, before you preface it. I did have a question and um, a prefacatory thought. And the thought is that um, uh, maybe we stop identifying 
Maybe that's the same as believing in um, the waves uh, and uh, everything about the waves. We we're, we can come from a different place, a place of observation, and look at the waves. Wow. Um, my question has to do with um, uh, academic question. Um, so I think of this uh, of a Tamsaka Sutra, which I've never never read, um, as a Mahayana. Actually, uh, yes. Thank you very much. <laughs> I should know that. Um, I think of it as a Mahayana Sutra. It is a Mahayana Sutra. Is this? Um, and, and I guess the idea of the seventh and eighth consciousnesses are. Mahayana concepts, but what is the, uh, to what degree does the um, Theravadan tradition um, pick up on such concepts, or I, I, my instinct, my intuition is that the roots of it, of what we're, of what you're t- discussing, are in the Theravadan tradition. If you look for it, you'll find it. I think, but do you have any insight into that? I don't. I don't really know that. Um, but certainly, the the um, all of Buddhism, um, the, the the seventh consciousness is um, the idea that we have a self, that there, there that we that there is some you know existent self, some you know that can be picked out from. Uh, you know, separately from um, the five skandhas. Now that's the academic word. But um, uh, so uh, you know, so that's manas in this in this tradition. Well, that you know, certainly this is a key topic for all of Buddhism, right? That that the idea that mm, the, the 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 construct of a self is um, made up. It's, it's made up, and it's it's actually an obstacle. It's actually an obstacle for us, and that uh, it it uh, would be a healing gesture to uh, de-emphasize uh, this 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 I me me mine, you know, uh, sense of sense of ourselves, this sense that I'm separate, and there is something here outside of the five skandhas. And so forth. So that's there in Buddhism, all of Buddhism. Um, as far as I know, I, I don't know anything about the alaya, you know, the storehouse consciousness idea being in being in uh, in in Theravada Buddhism. But um, it could be. I just don't know. Um, it it I think it 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 was you know kind of created by by. Uh, People were trying to look for some way to explain um, rebirth, uh, and because it's it's a place that holds karma and can can um, apparently you know carry that karma over to a n- new life. And some some people say that's that's the origin of this idea. But it's you know it's a it's a very complex idea because the I- and it's a very useful idea because. It, it accords with our experience that we that we you know as we look around at each and every other 
each person, we see that each person has, you know, a completely different personality, you know, a different, a different set of uh, just ways that they are. And how, how do you explain this vast variation of people uh, that we, that, that, that are, um, you know, and this idea of that, that there's this repository of karma that um, is somehow mm, was almost there, you know, when we were born and is continuing to ripen, ripen all the time, make, making us, uh, you know, pushing, you know, kind of impelling us in certain directions. I mean, I think that's very, and it's, it's also, of course, the ally is also um, explained as, as our subconscious life, you know, something that we can't, we can't, uh, you know, we can't at all actually see into. We can't really see into it, uh, but it's always, it's always showing itself to us, in, especially in dreams, right? Our subconscious life is always showing itself to us in dreams and, and in imaginations that we could not possibly, when we have these dreams, we 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 never think you know we never think those things that come in dreams we never we just don't think them in daily life they're magical creations right and um so as an understanding of that that aspect of our our life this this subconscious life that we cannot see into but that is but that is extremely influential on what's going on all the time um it, it's very helpful, and of course, I think in modern psychology, you know, this is kind of an understood, uh, you know, in, uh, phenomenon and in, in, in a, a uh, um, explanatory. So, uh, so anyway, those two extra um, consciousnesses, um, those two extra minds. Um, have some utility in our thinking about our lives, I think. Yes. Uh, I think uh, Larry and then Barry. Well, uh, as you were talking, <clears throat> this is this is rather stupid, but uh, you were talking about a tuna fish? No, I mentioned a tuna fish. You mentioned a tuna fish. You wouldn't call it a salmon fish, would you? I immediately thought of the sandwich. I mean, uh, you know, I, you know, and so it was funny to me. And then I realized perhaps this working of my mind that found that little phrase funny uh-huh. might be an example of exactly what you were teaching yeah, about. Right, right. Because there was nothing funny or not right, funny. Right, and no, I saw you laugh, and I didn't see anybody else laugh <laughs> exactly. about the tuna fish. Exactly. There was nothing funny or not funny about what you were saying. But I thought for the moment you said something funny, but it wasn't you doing anything. It was my perception of what was going on in the room. And you were just talking about how everybody, there's so myriad, everybody's got a different way of how their their mind works. And, you know, so uh, I, I said, well... Maybe I'll bring this up as an example of uh, the uh, everything is a perception of your mind. It's not a matter of what is external. It's only how you view it that is what's going on. 
And of course, you could extend that this is a little nonsensical thing, but, uh, you know, wars and, you know, misery in, in this world are caused by, uh, identifying with what, what is going on in your mind as being them doing it to me. Oh, yeah. So, absolutely. Anyway, yeah. I mean, we can really see the, the, the suffering in this world as, as a failure to, um, realize, you know, this, this powerful uh, capacity for projection. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 the berry's next, but I did want to say your, your comment remi- uh, reminded me that Dogen says, uh, there are as many minds as there are persons. There are as many minds as there are persons. And he says, but they all negotiate the way in Zazen. <laughs> So as a as a blanket statement for the world, this is very mysterious, right? Because we know that the 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 whole world isn't doing zazen, um, but nevertheless, um, it's just it just if you want to negotiate, if you the the takeaway is if you want to negotiate the way, uh, practice zazen, practice a practice that's for the depths of the mind. That's the takeaway. Yeah, Larry, uh, Barry. And um, then Dorley. So in this the schematic that they come up with in the sutra, the waves are the senses and the self, which is modest, and then the depths is um, alaya vijana. Mm-hmm. So I have two questions, actually. The first one is, do they seem to either implicitly or explicitly equate alaya vijana with Buddha nature? And then um, my second question is, do they put cheetah anywhere in the schema? Um, well, there's I, I don't think we have seen the phrase Buddha nature anywhere in this sutra. So uh, I would say no to your first question. Um, and um, as, as regards the, uh, you know, second question, I mean, cheetah is... is um, Thought, uh, that's what it means. Thought. Uh, so, in the, in that sense, um, <clears throat> uh, that would be the 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 sixth sense consciousness, right? That that would be a uh, the the the, the, the thought consciousness. So that that is included, and um, and it has you know a singular place in. Um, in our, in our life, obviously, you know, thinking is is probably. I mean, it's probably the sense that we uh, least take for granted, right? Or, and it certainly must be the sense that we are most tortured by, and 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 most delighted by, right? And most delighted by. So. Um, you know we are not in a path of torture, so uh, let's let's be delighted by our thinking. And if you want to be delighted by your thinking, practice zazen. That's what I would say. Thank you. Uh, oh. Thank you for your talk, Jim. And uh, the concept of the storehouse knowledge is something that I think about a lot. Um, 
because I uh, organization I work for deals with childhood trauma. And so for me, I can get to this calm ocean. Is this not also where early childhood severe trauma uh, would reside? I mean, there are, you know, there's, uh, it's not uh, established science at this point, but there seems to be evidence that trauma is can be passed generationally through DNA. And would it not that would that not also reside in this ocean? So, is a calm ocean for me something filled with sharks and barracudas for somebody else? Well, uh, I mean, yeah, um, everybody's ocean has everything in it. You know, there's no your ocean has sharks and barracudas as much as, yeah, as I mean, a person it, that was traumatized. But, but, but. Um, you know, those, maybe there's, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, trauma is, uh, set, sets patterns in people that are very difficult and cause, you know, can cause great harm to themselves, great harm to others, and, and can be very hard to, um, you know, to extirpate from our body-mind. But we all have some degree of trauma. Everybody has experienced trauma, no matter who. Uh, there, 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 obviously there's, you know, people that have suffered far more than I have, you know, in my privileged life. But, uh, you know, everybody, everybody has, you know, this, this churning. And what, what, you know, there's, a, there's, a, there's another teaching about this, the lie of consciousness, this storehouse consciousness, this repository of karmic seeds of of all of our pain. There's another teaching about this, and the the other teaching is that through through practice, um, these these um, seeds are are uh, slowly emptied out of the storehouse, slowly you know continually emptying out, and there's this purifying process that goes on. Uh, it's unseen. It's, it's an unseen process, uh, but there's this there's, there's this upwelling and um, and ripening and dissolving of of past karma, and um, eventually, eventually, according to some teaching, uh, the storehouse is completely emptied out, and then it's understood as the source of all Buddhas. It's uh, the source of uh, the empty source of Buddhas. So this is this is the you know this is the um, mystical transformation, if you will, or perhaps not mystical. It, it actually could be you know quite scientific in a way, uh, because it, by by examining you know by examining our uh, inner trauma, and anybody taking on the practice of examining their inner trauma or any, or, or anybody helping anybody take on the practice of, you know, looking at their inner karma and thereby, you know, extirpating that karma, soothing that karma, 
uh, loving them, learning to love themselves again or for the first time. Um, this 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 has a ripening effect. This has a ripening effect on beings, and that's what practice does. Practice has a ripening effect on beings, and in um, a purifying a purifying effect on beings, and um, and if you want to be, you know, if you want to, if you if you if you if you want. If you want to subject or submit yourself, submit yourself to to that kind of purifying effect, then then that's you know people are motivated to practice. People are motivated to practice to submit themselves to this purifying effect. And and you know I have the benefit of living a long time with this sangha and seeing seeing people change, seeing people. If you will, purified by this practice, and it's so wonderful. It's 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 the happiest thing you can see for an, you know in another person. You can see this the growth of people, and to have uh, to you know to have a presence presence in a sangha where you see that you know maturing and that and that clarifying and and uh, purifying. Um, Effect. This this is wonderful. This is this is why you know we go to the trouble of doing all this. You know, and wearing these robes and um, and all of it. You know, because um, it's it's it, it's the most joyful thing. It, it is really the most joyful thing that one can see. And you know, like Katrina's a teacher or a principal, and you know she's you know it just must be like that. Like seeing these kids, you know mature and get over themselves a little bit and, you know, wake up as they're growing and so forth. And anybody that's in the helping profession sees that and, and is encouraged by that and is enlivened by that and wants, you know, to do more of that. Um, so <clears throat> let's just continue in this way. I think it's, uh, I don't think it can be beat. <laughs> just run silent and run deep. Yeah, Quinn. Thank you, Jim. Um, based on Dave's question, and you're um, getting in, in your talk a little bit into talking about dreams and more and more the the terminology of subconscious coming up, I was actually kind of surprised to hear that parallel drawn between, and this is my first time hearing the term Aliyah, Hmm. Um, so all I know about that is what's been said tonight, but, um, I was really surprised the amount of parallels being drawn between, you know, our, our sort of common understanding of psych, uh, subconscious in like, we'll just say pop psychology or common knowledge psychology. Um, because I tend to think of sub subconscious in, in that framework as, you know, uh, a level of consciousness that's in my particular, we'll say, organism. Whereas I was more expecting Aliyah to be something, um, again, if it's beyond the, if it's uh, underneath that level at which a sense of a separate self exists, I was kind of thinking of it more in terms of 
uh, a level of consciousness that permeates beyond or um, outs, you know, outside of the, the single organism. So I don't know if that um, is something you could speak to. Like, again, in terms of like trauma in the subconscious, I think that's how we normally think of it in psychology. These, you know, these things, um, these patterns of behavior, these patterns of thought that are, that come up, um, whereas they're normally subdued. Um, I just want to ask you to clarify, like, is Aliyah really an appropriate, or is psych- psychology's subconscious really an appropriate um, analogy for Aliyah, or is Aliyah something bigger than just this um, kind of hidden aspect of, you know, um, my consciousness or my brain as, a, as an organism? Well, you're you're in luck because I asked my teacher this very question, not uh, some time ago, and what I asked it I asked uh, was um, is is Elia more like a collective unconscious, which is I think which which you're you're implying, and he said no, it's not it's not a collective unconscious, um, it's and and I believe he used the word subconscious. But the difference between, um, maybe between the Western subconscious and this subconscious is Western subconscious may think that the subconscious is something that can be got a hold of. And this, this understanding says, no, this, this can't be, you can't even, you know, you can't get a hold of this, you can't grasp it at all. It's ungraspable and you, you know, it's opaque, it's opaque. And uh, you know, you 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 know, it will it will show itself from time to time. Um, you know, uh, for instance, like a flash of anger, a flash of anger. Uh, that's it's showing itself. Uh, you didn't you didn't decide I will be angry now, right? You just you just became angry all of a sudden. That's you know this showing itself, but it's. It's like a wave. It's like the wave. It's not the deep ocean. You can't see in the deep ocean. So, um, but you, but but when you get that flash of anger, and if it causes harm, uh, then you're to you or another person. Um, then you, you know, then then you feel regret usually, and um, and uh, and you wonder about um, what's you know what's going on. What's going on? You know, maybe deep trauma or deep learning sometime in the past, but you can't see it. You don't know. You can't touch it. Um, but um, but there still must be a way of working on it. And I would say the way of working on it is to practice, do this tranquility practice, calm calming practice. Go deeply into the ocean and calm the whole situation over and over and over again for this in a lifetime. Oh. Yes. Uh, oof. <laughs> this is a lot. Yeah. Um, and I guess as people are asking certain questions and we're sort of down into this, you know, murky place of Alaya, I guess I just want to say for myself that I think especially when we're beginning our practice life, that this bigger mind is present and that presence is revealing to each of us 
many things about ourselves that we didn't know about before. And that's true for trauma or any experience that we've had that we've created kind of defenses around. It's this kind of practice of zazen where we dip down in and we stay open to this bigger mind that so much is revealed to us. And it's that process, again, that begins um, more of what you're talking about because until we know ourselves, until these different dimensions are shown to us, then we're still stuck in our habits and our and our trauma and our suffering and all of that. So I just I guess I just wanted to name that because there's a process I guess that we enter into when we practice that reveals to us many things about ourselves that we didn't know about before. I agree. Uh, one more, I think, maybe we should stop. Can I just clarify really quick? Okay. Um, that that really helped me clarify um, that it sounds more like a personal subconscious than a collective unconscious, as you said. So, like, for example, going back to Dave's question, would the landscape of, you know, my Aliyah look different than Dave's Aliyah? Like, do we have separate separate alayas that look different or is it does it take on a universal form i know this may be getting into speculative metaphysics but um, so i'll just go back to dogen okay there are as many minds as there are persons but they all negotiate the way in zazen and that's as much as i know about it and i think that's plenty <laughs> Was it? Was that it? Did you have one? Oscar had one more. He's he's going to make it quick. Hand it in the mic. I know he's going to make it. Quick. So um, I just want to put in. Uh, uh, I've come to leap to the defense of Alaya. Um, not that um, anyone has said anything different, but there may because uh, we think of Alaya oftentimes in terms of trauma and so forth. We, there can have a negative t- uh, connotation. But a lie itself is neutral, as I understand it. And every, and as I understand it, the traditional uh, metaphor is that every action of uh, speech, mind, and body that we, um, that we undertake plants a seed, as it were, in a liar, in the alaya. And that seed will be there um, and will sprout in its to replicate what the the activity or action or thought that created it. When that seed is nurtured, when the circumstances are right, when a flash of anger comes up, um, and that flash of anger will in turn plant another seed, because it's an action of body, thought, or mind, which will again, perpetuate that karmic tendency. The alaya is both, so so you distinguish between the alaya and the contents of the alaya. The contents are um, personal because they're functions of your body, speech, and mind. But also, to my mind, this is not necessarily traditional, it's also universal because what's affecting me is, is, you know, prior generational trauma or joy, plus just the atmosphere that, you know, I, I grew up in. Yeah. 
So, so short. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. <laughs>